Hey, Edith. Christy, hi. I'm waiting for a really funny joke. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I should have known. Well, let's hear it anyway. The past, the present, and the future walk into a bar. Yeah? It was tense. <laughs> I love it. Hi, I'm Christy. And I'm Edith. We're backyard gardeners from Colorado. And neighbors. And friends. These days, gardening has gotten very popular. And we've noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips. A fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down. Christy. Dun da da da. Edith. Show 81. Hello, Edith. Hi. Hello, gardeners everywhere. Everywhere on anywhere you are. That's right. You may be gardening right this very minute. You may have better uh, luck with your weather than we've had, but whatever, it's time to do something, right? Yeah, it feels like to me, I don't know if it's true with you, Edith, but. You know, you get memories on your Facebook feed. Yeah. About, and so I, if I were to post like when my daffodils and tulips are blooming, uh-huh. it feels late this year. Well, I think it's because it's been so cold. Yeah, it has been it's cold. It's been cold. If it's not cold, it's windy. If it isn't windy, it's kind of snowing. Yeah. So it's it's a little unusual of a spring that we're having. Yeah. And yet, I'm still planting. Well, I'm still doing stuff too. I mean, there's plenty of time. The weather does not dictate garden cleanup. That's so true. And this week is National Gardening Day, April 14th. This week or this day? This day, this week contains. I'm just, I'm being kind of an Uh, I've been thinking kinda. about grammar. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. This week contains yes National Gardening Day, April fourteenth. Very nice. The day before the usual tax day. Exactly. So have a nice day. Immerse yourself in good stuff in the garden, and then go through tax day. And this week's episode, Edith, we have something unique. We sure do, Christy. This is so exciting. Well, you know, folks, we always say we're just humble backyard gardeners. And we are. And it, But we thought, wouldn't it be fun to bring in an expert this week? Yes, because we are persistent, humble backyard gardeners. <laughs> yeah. And we bug people till they say yes. Oh, well, fortunately, Brittany Pimentel from Denver Urban Gardens uh-huh. uh, had a great chat with me. So we're going to share that with everybody later on. You're going to learn so much stuff, and we love the urban gardens, the mm-hmm. community gardens. What a great idea. Yeah, lots to learn. Um, and we should also tell folks that, remind folks that we are dropping episodes bi-weekly. Yes. Because why, Edith? Because we are busy. Because, because we are. Very busy. We're in a play that you are directing, and I am in. And Christy, I don't know when I've had this many lines. Really too old for this. <laughs> You know, Edith, you are doing so great. Oh, thank you. I still can't believe we have we've been friends and gardeners for so many years and poker players. And poker players. Uh-huh. And this is the first time we've ever worked together and I'm having the best time. Well, it's quite the experience. I mean, I love the play. I I really do. It's a wonderful cast. So if you're all in the Denver area, please come out and see it at the Benchmark 
You Will Get Sick by Noah Diaz. We'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, what a great idea, Christy. Good. Uh, and let's do a shout out to um, a member of our garden party. We have a brand new member. We do. Yeah. Who? This is Monty from the great state of Minnesota. That sounds familiar. Monty also happens to be my brother. Oh. Interesting how all our sisters joined in pretty quick. Yeah. Well, you know, guys are slow. They're <laughs> just slow. Well, he's a good support. And he gardens a lot. Does he really? Yeah, he does. In yeah. Minnesota. What yeah, what what two uh, days? What <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's it's the time you squeeze in between the snow and in mosquito season. Right, right. Two days. That's funny. That's June good. June twenty and twenty one. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Very good. So thank you, Monty, for joining the garden party. And that means, folks, that he is a supporter of Upside Down Tulips. That means he throws us a couple bucks each month so that we can pay the bills. And what's also kind of funny about Monty is that he's at the deadheader level. Yeah. Edith, so he yeah. pays 10 bucks a month, which uh -huh. means not only does he get a mug, but my brother is also kind of a deadheader. Is he really? Yeah. yeah. Like following the dead around? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so cool. That's yeah. very, very cool. Did you hear I think they're going to stop touring? I think I'm right about that. Wow. Now, I only read half a what headline. What all those people do? I don't know. I worry about them. I, 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 me, they should garden. Yes. That's what they yes. should do. Excellent. Excellent. So, Edith, I'm yes. dying to hear what's going on in your garden. Okay. I'm doing a lot of cleanup. Christy, you know, I have one of those hoes that end in a point. I'm sure there's a word for it, mm. but like a V, mm -hmm. the metal part. Yeah. Which is, folks, if you have an opportunity to weed when they're little teeny tiny, that's the perfect time to do it because the, the, the roots are little. So I've been doing that. I have taken out maybe a hundred parsley plants and that tap root is ridiculous. They are long. They, they are, look it, like parsnips. They do skinny parsnips, or they look like that other mallow weed. Yes. So the tap the tap root is like uh, twelve to eighteen inches long. So that really gets you a, a good workout. Took out that I have planted. I, I've started seedlings of all of my squash. You know, I do a lot of zucchini and spaghetti squash, curry squash. What else do I do, Christy? I do other things. <gasps> Butternut. Yes. Cucumbers. Spaghetti squash? Spaghetti squash. So I, I have started them. Nobody's up yet because it's not been real warm. But, mm -hmm. you know, I put them in those plastic, you know, when you buy lettuce these days, you buy it in that rectangular yes. plastic. And my neighbor puts that in our recycle. We share a recycle. I take it out and I put my seedlings, the little starts in there in their individual um, containers. Mm -hmm. So I close it at night so it stays moist, bring it in the house, and I take it outside and open it up. So it's very much like winter sowing. I've used those lettuce containers for winter sowing before. They're it great. works, right? Yeah. And um, so I've done that. I have, I, and I still have a lot of winter sowing that I've done. And I also started digging in my compost pile, taking out compost and digging it into the earth of my garden. Wonderful. That's a lot. What have you been doing? Well, my 
handsome and handy husband um, emptied out one of my compost bins and uh-huh. put out all the compost into the vegetable garden. So that means that I have to go turn the compost pile this weekend. My least favorite garden chore, but uh-huh. that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll get out there and do it. But I, yeah, so much garden cleanup. I needed more room in my compost bins. That's why I've had so yes. much garden cleanup. And I have some a lot of flowers that are up, Edith. Do you? I have oh, the crocus is just finishing up, uh-huh. but I have daffodils and tulips blooming. And remember, Edith, last week when we talked about the, the great smells in the garden? Yeah, yeah. And one of them was hyacinth? Yeah. And that there are certain people who do not like the smell of hyacinths. Yeah. Because as we researched, they think it smells like poo. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if these are the same people that think cilantro tastes like soap. Probably. Or is it a totally different uh, group of that's people? That's an interesting, that's a good question. Well, I do not know. I thought, I just went, got down in the highest sense, and I just gave it a big whiff. And yeah. I don't get how that could ever smell like poo. It is the most wonderful smell. You know what? Is it remember when when this thing was on Facebook where it was is the dress green or is the yes. dress and gold or blue? Yes, people swore by what they saw. It was gold. I I don't remember, <laughs> but I'm sure you're right. <laughs> right. But it's interesting how different we can perceive things. It is so interesting. It's same darn thing, we perceive it differently. Well, I love my hyacinths. And folks, I'll put some pictures on our Facebook page for it so people can see them. What color are they? Oh, I have all different kinds. I have white and pink and purple Beautiful. and gold and really pretty. Beautiful. Uh, I have uh, winter sowing is up. Um, the flowers that are right now, I have a little germination in my uh-huh. winter sowing milk jugs. Pansies, coreopsis. Yeah. Mexican hat, foxglove, and pink ornamental poppy. Oh, gosh. So I'm very excited. Oh, that sounds so beautiful. Is that the one with the long stem? Yeah. And it looks like paper. Yes. Fra- oh, I love those. Well, I can give you some little hunks of seedlings from that if you want some. I yard. would love some. As you know, I cannot grow poppies for the life of me, but I won't stop trying. We got to fix that. Yeah, we'll we fix We really, it. really do. I also have a lot of veggies up for winter sowing. So I have carrots, um, scallions, broccoli, cauliflower, lettuce, spinach, and... Romaine. Nice. That was one of my goals this year is to grow romaine lettuce. I remember. Uh-huh. So as soon as they just get their second leaves on it, I'm going to move them out into little plugs into my garden. Smart. And uh-huh. don't forget, folks, if you are winter sowing out there this year, uh, make sure you keep an eye on it this time of year to see if you need to water it. Yes. And if yes. you don't know what the heck we're talking about, winter sowing, it's an outdoor method of seed starting. And just check out episode, is it 26? Take out your jugs and learn how to winter sow? It could be. We have two different episodes on it. One yeah. takes a deeper dive. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we'll put a link in our show notes about that, too. To uh, also had exciting, Edith, I had my lawn aerated. Oh, you know, that makes for such a blissful day, doesn't it? <laughs> Guy comes by with a little machine and puts uh-huh. little holes in it. And this is my theory, which I could be wrong about, but that's why I think I didn't have as many Japanese beetles as you did. Huh. Interesting. Because the grubs are all starting to come up to the surface. So you think he poked some of them dead? Yeah, I think he little... squished them. But I'm going to go out this weekend, Edith, and I'm going to do a milky spore treatment. Okay. Do you want me to come by your house and do it to you too? Maybe. What the hey? I know hay? people say yeah. it doesn't work. I know our friends at the extension office say that it doesn't, doesn't Isn't that work. A, yeah. But did I tell you folks she is relentlessly cheerful and optimistic? <laughs> right. Relentless. Well, and I have it. You know, I, I, mean, have it. I made the little well delivery it. system. Yeah. This, I, you know, yeah. got made that little hack and I have it and it didn't, you know, so what the hey? I might as well, might as well 
give it a try. Because, Edith, I had a dream about Japanese beetles Ooh. the other day. Oh, oh. And they were everywhere. It was a nightmare. Oh, that is a nightmare. And nobody else had them. They were all like coming to my house. They were over all over my roses. Oh, it was a terrible dream. Wow. That is so, a, wow. Just, so, just for that reason alone, I'm going to put some milky spore on it this weekend. Christy, I have a garden hack. You have this great hack about the milk. Okay, this is so cool. If you put a fly strip around your garden hat. Uh-huh. So you know what I'm talking about? The yeah. one that sticks flies? They're so creepy. <laughs> they are. But if you put it around your garden hat, it might get bugs you don't like stuck to it. <laughs> interesting too there are colors that you should not wear in the garden like uh yellow and orange maybe a mistake in the i'm wearing yellow right now listen listen to this white clothing works well to avoid the attention of bugs that is why bees beekeepers wear all white oh dark colors are inviting to uh insects while lighter ones pose a threat Bright colors can attract these insects. Red is very appealing to mosquitoes, as are, that's what it said. That's cool. As are pink, purples, and orange. So, you know, Edith, that is so helpful. If it's true. I'm going to totally change what I'm wearing tomorrow when I'm out in the yard. Okay. You know, it could be true. I mean, I looked at several different, you know, Google articles. Well, folks, if you ever don't understand what we're talking about, we encourage you to check out the funny and informative Upside Down Dictionary on our website, UpsideDownTulips.com, or click on the link in our show notes. There's nothing like laughing while you're getting educated, huh? Right. If you don't know stuff. We also have fun stuff on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And right now we have for you one of our favorite pod plays, Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil, <laughs> your favorite word and mine. Moist. And then coming up, this wonderful interview with Brittany Pimentel from Denver Urban Gardens. And stick around for Mailbag. Okay. Ever wonder why gardeners are so gosh darn happy? I love weeding. My plant died. Oh, well. I'll just plant something new. It's because scientists have identified a microbacterium-founded soil that improves brain function and increases serotonin and therefore makes you happy. Hi, it's me, Phoebe, the celebrity stylist and influencer who brought you Phoebe's Phenomenales and Phoebe's Fashion. I always have my manicured finger on the latest trends and hottest fats. If you want the mood-boosting benefits of toiling in the garden without all the digging, pulling weeds, hoeing, and raking, you should try Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil. My Choice Moist Soil features real moist soil that has been toiled by a real gardener with joy in her heart and happiness in her joints and her loins. Oy. Made with thousands of living organisms of only the best bacteria, fungi, algae, and protozoa, archaea, and actinomycetes, including a wide variety of mites, nematodes, earthworms, ants, and insects. I don't know about you, but I'm getting tingly. Ooh, talk dirty to me. Just add water and apply Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil all over your body, and you'll be as happy as a pig in sh- Mud. That's the way I like it. Quick and dirty. 
Plus, Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil has so many other uses. Add to your houseplants, make some pottery, or pour into a nice bowl of potpourri. So, get your hands dirty and hoist a bag of Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil into the trunk of your Toyota today. Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil is for recreational purposes only. Do not use Phoebe's Choice Moist Soil with more than any one person at any one time unless everyone is fully vaccinated and are consenting adults. Comes with complimentary breath mints. Believe me, you'll need them. Okay, friends, if you've listened to Upside Down Tulips before, you know we speak often and fondly of Denver Urban Gardens, also known as Doug. Doug is a nonprofit network of community gardens. It was started in 1985 and supports 190 sites in the Denver metro area. Annually, Doug serves more than 40,000 people through gardens and its programs. It offers resources, classes, social opportunities, and urban growing for all ages, as well as providing access to seeds and seedlings. With me today is Brittany Pimental. She is the Equity and Food Access Director for Denver Urban Gardens. Originally from the great state of Michigan, for the past 18 years, she's held kind of a smorgasbord of nonprofit and food-related roles, from restaurants and farm fields to food policy and nutrition education realms. She holds a master's in international development with a concentration in food security and global health from the University of Denver. And Brittany leads Doug's Metro-Wide Grow a Garden program, which you folks would have heard us mention frequently here on Upside Down Tulips. And she works extensively toward food justice and equitable food access for all and seeks ways to deepen the connection to community through growing good food. So, Brittany... Welcome to Upside Down Tulips. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Well, it's nice to have an expert on every now and then. You know, Edith and I often talk about how we're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way and the mistakes we continue to make (laughs) along the way. Um, We'd love to know to start us off today, Brittany, what are some of your favorite gardening mistakes? Oh, gosh, there's so many. And I think uh, to add a little bit to what you just said, I think um, I like to position us as all being experts and all being learners. And I think that that's just a great place to start, right? Especially when we're talking about gardening. But specifically, um, I'm a, I do a really good job of not taking my own advice. And so one example of that is I do teach some horticulture education for Doug. And I always tell beginning gardeners not to bite off more than you can chew, right? To start simple, And yet I add all this complexity in my garden. I think um, my first year I tried to grow like three, 30 different varieties of things. And it's just (laughs) way too much. Um, And then additionally related to my role at Doug is I get a lot of um, seedlings to distribute to the community through various programs. And so a lot of times I'm kind of stewarding. I kind of think of myself as like a plant orphanage and I'm trying to find homes and caregivers for all of these plants. But at the end of the day, there's always still plants left. And so I take it upon myself sometimes to grow again more than I should. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was, let's see here, 2020, I, uh, I grew 15 tomato plants just in my personal small plot, which was just oh, way too much. That's a lot. I knew it going in and it just continued to be way too much. And, um, you know, usually, a couple of my plants will go down to, you know, various diseases or just not being super um, good. And that year I, everything went perfectly. So like 
you know, I just, I was so overwhelmed and um, made a lot of friends and new friends and neighbors that year, just giving away my basket of tomatoes up and down, you know, to, to whoever could use them. So yeah, people are more likely to accept extra tomatoes, but not extra zucchini. I have discovered. I know that's the one where you just leave it on the doorstep and ring the bell and run away. Yeah, exactly. Well, I felt sorry for you during canning season. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot, but I, I did it to myself. So uh, let well, that be a lesson. I think I've done it already to myself regarding I bought so many seed packets this year. They're so beautiful when you look at them in the catalogs and when you see them in the store. I just can't. I, I bought way too many seeds again. It happens. Fortunately, they can last a couple seasons. Yes. Which is something I learned along the way is that, you know, seeds last a lot longer than you think, don't they? Yeah. I've actually heard... Um, some stories about seeds, you know, if they're, if they're kept, um, in, you know, the right conditions and uh-huh. a cool, dark, dry place, they can last for years. And so I actually heard a story of, um, some viable seeds being found in the tombs of Egypt that oh, are still that. living and alive. And it just, I think really speaks to the resiliency of nature, yeah. but also, um, and, and that won't happen for every seed, you know, seeds vary, especially depending on particle size, but, um, I do think it's cool to, to remember stories like that. Yeah, it was probably bindweed. That's what I'm guessing it was. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. Well, you know, one of the things I've learned when I started gardening, Brittany, is that about over 20 million people in our country live in food deserts. And friends who are listening, a food desert is a geographic area where access to affordable, healthy food options like fresh fruits and vegetables are limited or non-existent because grocery stores are too far away. And so, therefore, a great solution to that, living in an urban area, is to grow your own fruits and veggies. And yet, not always as easy as it sounds, is it? Not at all. Yeah, share with us what you think are some of the barriers to growing food. Totally. And I think, again, just an extension of um, the food desert conversation, I think folks are becoming more aware of this term, right, and just lacking access to healthy and affordable food. But I think another layer that is often uh, present in in areas that have food deserts is they are also food swamps. So like high concentration of unhealthy food in the way of fast food restaurants, um, corner stores types of things. And so there's sort of this double burden of like malnutrition happening in, in a lot of areas. Um, but in terms to barriers to growing food, I, I view a lot of the work that we do at Doug as trying to get to the bottom of that, right? Because we want as many folks growing their own food as possible, because we really view it as such a um, incredible benefit, not only for the food that it produces, but for, um, you know, mental wellness as oh, well as, yes. you know, climate. Um, and so I think, you know, as many folks as we can get to to have that experience for themselves and see all of the multitude of benefits um, is really something that we're just committed to deeply in our work. Um, But specifically, some of the barriers that we find are most common um, are folks that lack the physical resources to grow. So that these things like seeds, seedlings, access to tools and compost. Um, But the cool thing about it, and I know, you know, we touched on all of the uh, great marketing that that seed companies have with the packets and things, but it doesn't have to be that complicated, right? And I think a lot of times the natural cycle of um, nature provides everything that we need. So, you know, in the form of seed saving, um, a lot of the the plants that you grow will ultimately produce a seed that you can then take to plant kind of bypassing. such a satisfying thing to do is to grow a plant, collect its seeds, and then plant it again. Totally. Um, And yeah, I think compost is often seen as something that's an input too, but people can make it 
um, by routing some of their waste at home in really easy ways. Uh, we partnered with um, the city of Denver for decades on our master composter program. Um, and we also teach free learn to compost workshops from April to October each year to the community. So folks can start to learn how they can, can like learn the skills to compost themselves in their backyards. Yeah, some people think that you need a lot of fancy equipment to compost. And really all you need is a pile. Exactly, exactly. Well, and and I'll say this. It can be as simple or as complex as we want it to be. Mm, it's, mm-hmm. all, it's all there. And so, you know, you can definitely have um, a very, you know, highly complex system, or it can be, like you say, as simple as, as a pile in your backyard. And yeah, so my system is just is three bins outside, and they're open to the air, but, mm-hmm. um, and they need to be turned drastically. But um, I, but I, I, it's so great not to have to throw anything away. Totally, totally. Um, so yeah, I think the other thing too is just taking really good care of what you do have. So I know I started um, just at the end of my season having better um, just own personal management around caring for my tools, right? Taking down my cages, making sure I, I, I clean them, maybe oil some of my tools. Um, it's kind of a meditative thing that I like to do each year to just kind of thank all the tools and resources for all that they've done for me for the year, right? Oh, like, I love that. Um, I, that I feel doesn't... terrible. I didn't thank my tools at all this year. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, this year you can. Yeah, I um, will. And so, yeah, so I do think that there's a lot of different and creative ways to um, just to create those resources and and maintain them over time. Um, Another thing that I see in terms of barriers is people lacking just the knowledge and skills to grow food. So I think, um, you know, historically, we've had a lot of intergenerational knowledge around growing food, and that's just largely been disruptive. Um, And so I think a lot of the work that we do is, yes, it's education around how to grow food, but it's also just the support and ongoing kind of mentorship that people need to continue to sustain themselves throughout the, 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 the full season. Um, and so one of the ways that we do that is through, again, just education and workshops, um, which we have a full calendar of events. We have an upcoming Basics of Organic Gardening workshop on April 16th. Um, and we recently transitioned to a pay what you can model, again, with access and inclusivity in mind. Um, so, you know, it's a suggested rate of $30, but folks can choose whatever whatever rate is affordable to them so that they can still participate and gain those skills. Yeah, it could be a penny. Could be a penny. Yep, yep. Um, and so I think the other thing, too, to start to get to reconnect to the intergenerational disruption that I spoke of before is to connect with someone you might know who grows. I think we all kind of have someone in our circle who does grow. Um, and perhaps it's never been something that you've um, sought before. But again, I think with the rise in internet, like we we learn information in different ways now rather mm. than from people who have that deep experience. And so I would just encourage folks to connect with people who have that experience and knowledge. And again, we're all experts and we're all learners. So you know, I think that's why we, Edith and I started this podcast, Brittany, is because when the pandemic started and a lot of people started growing uh, because they had more, you know, more time at home if they if they um, were unemployed or if they were working from home and people started asking us for tips and tricks on how to garden. And so then we thought, well, if everybody's doing this, why don't we just start a podcast? And now here we are in our second year. Totally. Yes. It's so good. It's so good and necessary. 
Um, I think another barrier that we find too, especially with so many folks moving to the area, is just a lack of land or places to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as, you know, housing becomes more dense, um, there's just so many reasons people live in apartments or, you know, don't have access to that growing space. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, you know, community gardens can really play a big role. Um, And I'm grateful that we've, you know, invested in in our network of 190 gardens over the last 30 plus years. Um, And so if folks want to be connected to a community garden, um, we have an interactive um, map on our website. Um, it's dugdug.org slash gardens. And you can see where there's availability. You can um, be connected to um, a garden community um, because we also view the work that we do as community building. And we use food as kind of a tool and a catalyst to do that. Um, But I also think that, you know, making those connections where you are, build a sense of belonging amongst people. They help root you to the place that you are if you're not from here. Um, so I think that there's, again, just multitude benefits to gardening and that those are just some of the benefits of why folks might want to, you know, join a community-based garden. And Brittany, when folks do join a community-based garden, do they, they get a little section of the garden? Is that right? To tend and yeah. to plant whatever they want. Is that right? That's right. Um, so our gardens are um, split up by plots and every garden is different. So some of our gardens have like over 50 plots. Some of them are pretty small and have maybe like 10 or less. Um, So it just really depends on the particular garden. Um, But yeah, folks are able to sort of rent a plot for the season. um, And there's kind of some plot fees that are associated with it, but it goes toward those communal assets like compost and water for the season. And again, you know, we don't want to be in a position of turning away anybody who's in a position that they can't pay. Um, And so we are able to work with folks um, if that's an issue, just to ensure that they still have what they need to, to grow and to thrive. Um, and so, yeah, some of our gardens have a lot of availability. Some of them have a wait list, um, but all of that information can be found, including the steps to join a garden on our website um, at doug.org gardens. How are the soil in community gardens, Brittany? Oof. I mean, it varies a lot, right? I think uh-huh. on, on, in the region that we're in, we're just blessed with these clay soils, right? Um, but again, there's a multitude of gardens, but also a multitude of um like at grade beds or raised beds and, oh, and often okay. raised beds have a little bit more kind of like porous environments, a little better um, drainage. Um, and so ultimately we look at gardening in a very holistic way and we're always trying to build the skills of, you know, the whole system. And that always starts with good soils. Like we view that as the foundation of any garden knowledge. Um, and so, yeah, we encourage folks to amend the soils with compost and also just knowing that growing things and having the soil covered throughout the season and throughout the year is really the best way to continue to build that organic matter within the soil. Um, so, yeah, so we offer a lot of, um, again, specific training around that, but it's also a part of all of our other training because, you know, it, it all starts with the soil. What about water? You know, I know in our area, water is such a in such scarce supply. We always just celebrate it whenever it rains or snows. And what's the access to water in community gardens? So when we go through the process of designing a community-based garden, um, a, a big majority are on public land. So we work a lot with parks departments um, in different counties um, or schools. About a third of our gardens are located on school property. And within the planning, um, we always have specific infrastructure related to, to water so that there's you know hose access and that um, it's also available to all of the, the areas of the garden. Um, per, as an organization, we recommend that um, 
that folks don't use timers or things like that, and that they really have a presence when they're watering so that they can just start to understand all of the, um, you know, watering the soil and not the plant, right? Always um, water the uh, toes and never the nose. That's what we exactly. say. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's great. I will use that. Um, but yeah, so that you can sort of see that drainage happening up close and start to understand a little bit more just the needs of the different uh, plants that are in your beds. Because, you know, as plants are in different stages of maturity, they intake water in different ways too. And so I think there's nothing that can replace that that watering at that level. And I think sometimes, you know, there's a desire to put timers or add in irrigation that's more automated. Mm -hmm. And I think while that can really hone in on um, water conservation, it interrupts again, that knowledge acquisition that people get from being present during the watering. And I find it's something to like bookend my days, right? Like watering in the morning or in the evening, like it's sort of a meditative practice. Oh, I so agree. It's part of the mental joy of gardening is to actually like weeding too, for that very same reason. I find it very meditative. People ask me why I'm so, I could be happy. And I say, well, gardening is my therapist (laughs) and I love watering. Yeah. And you really get to see how the plants are growing. If they need anything, you can, if you're hand watering, you can see if there's, if you need to step in on any, um, uh, working with pests around pests or if there's any, um, uh, mold that's happening in your garden, you could see it in the early stages and deal with it in an organic way pretty easily. Totally. And that's another thing that we always say is that like hand watering brings you in deeper relationship to the plants, right? Because when you're watering, you notice other things. You notice, oh, like what's going on at this plant? Or, oh, I'm noticing an insect here or something where you just won't have that information or feedback loop if, if you're doing it a different way. Uh, what can some of our listeners do who are interested in helping support Doug? Brittany? Yeah, yeah. So we have a multitude of um, of avenues to do that. We have a very robust volunteer network and community um, where folks can volunteer for either a work day in a garden, pulling weeds and, and things like that, or um, for one of our, our several programs that we have either at the Doug office or elsewhere in the community. Um, and the website for that is doug.org slash volunteers. Um, and you can find all of our upcoming volunteer opportunities. Another way is through our monthly stewardship program that really just supports our work more broadly in the way of funding. And so we have, um, uh, again, Doug stewards um, that support our work in an ongoing way, um, or obviously always welcome to accept individual donations as well. Um, but information about giving can be found at doug.org membership. And what about our listeners who aren't from the Denver metro area? We have listeners in all 50 states, and actually we have listeners in 50 countries. What's what's going on in the community garden movement? And how can some of our other listeners join their own community garden? Yes, yes. Um, I think it's so amazing that, you know, the pandemic turned a lot of folks to gardening. I think that... Um, it was a way through a very difficult time for people, but I think a lot of folks found a lot of self-determination and resilience through that. Um, so it's it's a difficult question too, because on the one hand, we want everyone to, to turn to gardening, right? And we wanna have as many resources, but then again, the nature of gardening is it's very specific to where you are in your bioregion, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit troublesome. Like we, we obviously couldn't teach to things that would be relevant to people living in like a tropical climate, right? Right. Here in Denver in this arid environment, almost, you know, semi-desert conditions. Um, and so I think that that's really helpful place to start is to like know what your, your grow zone is, but also 
connect to local organizations where you do live to really understand the specific um, climate climate that you're that you're in and to grow effectively. Um, and I think that there's no shortage of organizations similar to Doug or um, in different ways across the country and across the world. And so I would just say, you know, do your research. Again, Google makes everything so easy, but connect to those organizations that are locally uh, relevant to where you live and work. Because um, I guarantee you'll find you'll find someone doing similar work where you are. And we'll put some links in the show notes regarding helping folks find their own zone and also maybe some um, places to start and trying to find your own community garden. That would be great. Uh, what's new going on with Doug? You have a plant sale coming up. Is that right? We do. We're very busy, you know, as one is in spring. It's this at a time of year, yeah. Um, so yeah, so we have our spring plant sale. So exciting. We haven't been able to offer this event for the last two years. Um, and so we're bringing it back. Um, it's over two days, May 6th and 7th. And we hold that at the Doug office. Um, but you can find all of the details to that on our website, um, doug.org slash events. And you can see the details for that. Um, but we'll have a multitude. I mean, really, again, oh, I saw the list. It was, you know, it just made my eyes get very large. Yeah, but it'll be a fun day too. You know, we've got food trucks and music and it'll really just be a fun place to hang out, even for people who maybe don't grow food. Um, And then very close to that, we also have a great day of gardening that we're launching this year in partnership with CSU Extension and their master gardeners. And we're going to activate several of our gardens for people to come in, kind of open open the gates um, so that they can demonstrate a few things and really just celebrate that spring is here, that gardening season is here, and really encourage as many folks as we can to plant a garden. I also love this that's happening at the plant sale, Brittany, is that you have a sustainability swap happening? Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, yeah, so this is where folks can bring in, you know, anything that they've got in, lying around in their garage that they're no longer using. We get a lot of donations just being a nonprofit throughout the year that it's a great way of time for us to do some spring cleaning too and just share those connections. And so people are welcome to bring, again, anything that's unused or still in, in usable condition to the sale for us to redistribute to community. And folks can also feel free if they're in need of things to come and just peruse that that part of the sale. Um, and just, again, hopefully we can, you know, support each other in what we need. Oh, I love that. I've got, I'm going to, I'm going to plan on bringing some great excuse to clean out your garage. Yes. I mean, spring cleaning, right? It happens. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, so, uh, are you trying anything new in your garden this year, Brittany? Again, because I have a problem with (laughs) over making things overly complex. I'm my, my, my goal and my charge this year is to be more simple. And so I think mm. I'm actually scaling back. And that's that's how I'm growing in my garden this year. One of the things that um, that I grew last year that I absolutely loved was loofah. One of my, my overall goals for growing is second to food production is to um, grow things that I can give away as gifts. Oh, um, that's a great so, idea. Yeah, so the loofah was one of those things I, I dry out like some herbs to make teas, um, just to give them away as gifts and just, just share in ways that I can with, you know, the people that I love. So that's a, that's one thing that I'm trying to have more intentionality around is, you know, what I can use as a gift, um, and preserve in different ways that are a little bit unique. I did that last year. Uh, I made calendula oil out of calendula flowers, and then I made hand lotion out of it. Amazing. Yeah, there's so many things. And I like I think, this loofah idea. What were some of the challenges in growing it? Loofahs can be difficult 
uh, to pollinate. Mm. I I think I just got lucky. Um, they have a really long growing season. And so you'd need to start them really early because um, they're really sort of grown best in tropical environments. Uh-huh. But I made it work with all of the sun we get. Oh, that's good. And is there any certain plant, Brittany, that you always say my garden must have? Like it's not a garden unless I'm growing. Yes. And this may surprise you, but I would say garlic. Um, I started growing garlic maybe four or five years ago. And I think it's just like such a must for me now, like having fresh garlic. I get really cranky when my garlic stash runs out and I have to go buy it from the store. Oh. Um, but I think it's so cool because it's something that, um, you know, you plant outside of the typical growing season, right? Because you plant it in the fall or yeah. late fall. Um, and so once you, you've done that, it's, it's, it's a way to get the jump start on the garden, which I know gardeners are always so eager to do that. Um, and so I have, you know, a whole bed that's sort of dedicated to it. I can still plant some things in it being mindful of, you know, succession planning when I have to harvest the garlic. Um, but it just makes me so happy. And I, I, I really love just all things about it and the garlic scapes that come up. And, um, I love, yeah, the length of time that it needs to be in the ground and, uh, I just, yeah, I can't picture my garden without it. Yeah, garlic is really one of the plants that really helps you believe in the future because you can plant it in, like I plant in like October, right? It's so Mm -hmm. great to have something to plant in October and then you just have to, and then boom. It's kind of like one of those early signs of spring, like a tulip or something. Like, like, oh, they're sprouting. Um, And then I think I would say the other thing that was just such a hit, I'd never planted potatoes before last year, but I think now they're going to be a mainstay because my young kids just had the most mind expanding time digging them up. They just thought it was the coolest thing. Um, And yeah, like, you know, I grow a lot of different things and it always feels rewarding, but it felt so rewarding to grow those potatoes. So for Uh, some reason, I'm jealous. My potatoes never really get very big. Yeah. Well, and I think. It's so funny too that you mentioned that because I think one of the, and I do look at this as somewhat of a barrier to gardening, is that a lot of people hold the mindset that they don't have a green thumb or that they kill plants and therefore they're just like not garden people. Uh I hear a lot of people just self-identify as that and put themselves in that category. And I just want to sort of disrupt that because it feels like a big myth to me, right? Because you have to kill a lot of things to know how to keep them alive. Yes. And it's actually a sign that you're you're headed in the right direction. And so I think just, you know, just pushing it back against that, that if you've killed something, you've failed. In gardening, that's definitely not the case. And in fact, it means you now know how to keep it alive because you knew what, you know, what conditions it, that killed it. So um, I think that that's a huge mind shift that we all, we all can do just to, you know, first of all, be a little lighter on ourselves, but second of all, to take that knowledge and that experience and apply it in the garden. Oh, Brittany, you're a delight to have on Upside Down Tulips. We're so blessed for everything you just shared with us. I hope you come back again sometime. I would love to. Thank you so much. And don't forget, friends, that great quote we love to say by Mr. Ralston, which is, if you're not killing plants, you're really not stretching yourself as a gardener. (laughs) I love it. we're back. You're listening to Ask Agnes, a helpful gardening show. I'm Agnes, and I'm here to take the agony out of gardening. We have a caller, Norris. Hi, how can I help you? Agnes, I started gardening a year ago. I planted annuals and perennials. Note to new gardeners, 
Annuals only last for a season, and perennials last for many seasons. Do they, though? Do they? Norris, you sound skeptical, and bitter, if I may say so. As bitter as Betty's batter if she added too much lemon juice. As bitter as a one-term politician who thought his looks made him a shoe-in, but a sex scandal booted him out. As bitter as... Agnes, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have something I want to ask you about. Of course you do. That's why you called. I teach creative writing and children's lit at a local community college, and I sometimes get carried away. Sorry. What's your problem, Norice? I think all of my so-called perennials are dead. My lavender, my oregano, my chrysanthemums. Norice, what has your weather been like? Unusually cold, snowing. Your perennials may not be dead. It could be they're just sleeping because of the cold. But there's not a trace of green on them, and they're so brittle. And just how supple, Norice, do you think Sleeping Beauty was when she slept for a hundred years? Might she have been a little brittle? And Snow White in a glass casket so the world could watch her rot. Uh, Agnes, what are you doing? I'm being triggered. So Sleeping Beauty's Prince Charming kissed her and brought her back to life. No permission needed, obviously. Just planted a smacker right there on her 116-year-old lips. And Snow White's prince kissed a dead woman in a casket. Is that even legal? Not to mention so disgusting. I just wanted to talk about my perennials. (laughs) Norris, check the very bottom of the plant. Like as not, you'll find a bit of green, which means all will be well with your garden. Okay. Well, that was more traumatic than it needed to be, but I appreciate it, Agnes. And there I go, saving the day again. If it's been a long winter in your zone, don't lose hope or patience, gardeners, for spring will surely come. Till next time, bye-bye. Chrissy, that was such a good interview. I loved everything she had to say. I mean, she said things that I have never heard before. Like, for example, the tombs of Egypt where they still have seeds. Yes. The fact that she makes mistakes like we do. <laughs> right. She used terms that I have. I don't think I've ever heard the term food swamp. Yeah. Neighborhoods that just have junk food yeah. and 7-Elevens and stuff like that. I And how she, for uh, the loofah. The loofah, do you remember we talked about loofah in vining things? Yes. Uh, Last year in June, and from my uh, research, it said seven and above, uh, zone seven and above. Uh Uh-huh. Here we are in 5B. And she grew loofah. And she grew loofah. But I think think my favorite part was the part about cleaning and thanking your tools. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, thanking your tool, not just a guy thing anymore. Oh, our engineer. <laughs> he is shaking his head. Oh, Brittany is so great. Yeah, I hope she comes back. Oh, that and was it's wonderful. It's also nice to know, like, you don't need to have a yard. You don't even need to have a balcony. You can just go to your community yeah. garden and get yourself your own little piece of earth. And think of the cool people you meet there. All the people yeah. around you are also gardeners that really take that extra step because they don't have any land. That's so cool. So cool. Hey, eat it. Yeah. Guess what time it is? Could it be mailbag time? Ring, ring. Ring, ring. This letter is from Robin from Denver. And she writes, There is a free software that will create text from your podcast so that those of us who don't like listening to podcasts can read the info instead. Huh. 
I'm a local Denver gardener and reader and would love to read your transmissions. Robin. Well, okay. So she doesn't want to listen to us. No. But she wants to read us. Okay. So guess what, Robin? We now have transcriptions for Upside Down Tulips, starting with last week's episode, which was about the scented garden. And we'll have to sort of take our time to get back into our back catalog to get transcriptions for that. Because you know, Robin, we have a life. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. And um, you, and because we're doing something that's free, you know, they don't let you do everything all at once. But we will right. eventually get to our back catalog, and so you don't have to listen to us anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I thought I was using my soothing voice. You, I know. I thought I was too. Listen to that wonderful voice you have. Well, Robin, you can now just read us, and anybody else can too. But this is this is also great because I know some people who have said they re-listen to the podcast yeah. or they rewind to make sure they get the information down. Right. And now it's there for you. It's also there for people who are deaf or hearing impaired. That's great, Christy. So if anybody else soothing there has voice, some, Soothing voice. Oh, sorry. Christy. Sorry. Soothing. So if anybody else out there <laughs> has some advice and suggestions, funny stories... Hey, fashion tips, please write to us at upside down tulips at gmail.com. <laughs> and now it's time for the inspiration of the week. Hit us, Edith. Okay, I will. But I'm going to use my nice voice. Okay. Okay. All right, this is from Hal Borland. And he says, No winter lasts forever. No spring skips its turn. April is a promise that May is bound to keep, and we know it. Excellent. We have a lot of history that proves that. This was so inspiring, she went back to her nice voice. (laughs) Good for you, Christy. (laughs) Thank you, Hal Borland. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We are Edith Weiss and Christy Montour-Larsen. Did you get some laughs, maybe some value out of this week's episode? Hey, do us a favor, would you? Hit that subscribe, like, or follow button wherever you listen to your podcast. It really does make a difference for us. We want to thank Denise Gentilini, who we both think is just amazing and so talented. She composed and performed the Upside Down Tulips theme song. You can find more of her music at denisegentilini.com, or you can find a link at our website at upsidedowntulips.com. We also have to thank the many talents of our kind friend, Leslie O'Carroll. And thank you to our excellent and enigmatic engineer. Hey, Christy, how about thanking our thanking Carrie from Southwest Gardens? I was just there last week. He's got a lot of stuff out there, people. So was I. He is, he's got, in my opinion, the best nursery in Denver. Join us in two weeks for another episode that will delight and amaze you. We promise to use our soothing voices. Don't, don't forget. Don't. Go ahead. No, no, you go. Don't forget if you make a mistake, you're God and we'll forgive you. <laughs> 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 <laughs>